Ethical Quandaries. I'm Jessica Veldstra. And I'm Denise Thompson. And this week we have some exciting news. Yay! We have a Patreon. A Patreon is a way for kind of crowdfund our podcast. So it pays for the music, the website that hosts us. It pays for the pillows and blankets that we put over the computer <laughs> so that it, you guys don't hear, hear the, the buzzing hum. sound. Maybe eventually pay for a better <laughs> editor so you guys still don't hear the buzzing sound or the computer or the mic clicks every time we hit the table. So we don't have to sit in our closet. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We don't sit on it's our closet. It's almost like that, though. But we close. Do, <laughs> we do pad the room quite a bit. But, yeah, and for better equipment, um, eventually I'd like to buy a laptop so that we can take the show on the road, so to speak, because we're world travelers. We're world travelers. <laughs> and so that we can interview people across the globe. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also rewards for being a patron. $2, you get to suggest an idea for the show. At $5, you get to be a guest on the show. And at $10 per month, you just basically get your own show to run. You get to, <laughs> to, to suggest the topic and be a guest. So you, you kind of get the mic. Um, so please uh, go. We over. do have three topics we won't discuss. Yes, we do. But we're not going to tell you guys what those are. <laughs> you just have to wonder. And then figure it out through process of elimination. Elimination. <laughs> But yeah, so go to Patreon slash Ethical Quandaries and go support us there. Thank you. But yeah, we wanted to give a shout out. We did have two... Two patrons. Yeah. Patrons. Patrons? Patrons. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> and they're awesome. And, yes. And the patrons this week are... Angie and Jenny. Yeah. So thank you guys. Thank you guys. We love you. So this week, we got a super exciting topic. I don't think we should talk about oh, this. Come on, why not? People might misunderstand what we're trying to say, you know? <laughs> this is kind of right, We're going to talk about sex. <laughs> Actually, the opposite. <laughs> but that was fun anyways. We got you guys excited. <laughs> We're going to talk about abstinence-only sex education. Boo. Boo. <laughs> okay, so we like gave it away. I was very excited about it. We gave away a little bit how we feel about this. We gave away a little bit about how we feel about this subject in our booze, but... Jessica, of course, is going to lead us through with some statistics. Oh, they're not good. They're not good. <laughs> no. Sex education got its start in the early 1900s. People were worried about STIs. So you're, are you talking about, like, public sex yeah. education, like, more or less so a curriculum? So before then, it was assumed that parents would talk to their children about sex or that children would observe barn animals, apparently, and just glean I don't think that's the best way to learn about sex, but apparently that was the assumption. <laughs> Bad idea. <laughs> but they would talk to the, the, their kids right before marriage, and that was the assumption that was happening. 
that when uh, the Industrial Revolution hit, people were more in cities. They didn't have the barn animals to watch. I don't know why I can't say that word. Barn Barn animals. (laughs) And they became just like had rats and and stray cats. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently you can't learn much from that, although you think you learn a lot about rats. But anyway. And they, (laughs) they, they were worried about STIs, which were a problem, especially in soldiers. ST eyes, sexually eyes. transmitted eye infections. Got it. Because they're Ex- called that now. I just now. wanted you to explain that to yeah. people. They call that now instead of STDs because they're infections rather than diseases. diseases. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jessica's got all the new lingo down. <laughs> all the lingo. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so people started teaching this in schools. It's always been a tad controversial. And it's a little more than a tad, I would say. <laughs> and in the 1960s, the Christian Coalition came out against sex, sexual education in schools, especially comprehensive sexual education. And then in the late 90s, early 2000s, the Bush era, there was a lot of funding towards abstinence-only education where they'd only teach about abstinence, and that's basically it, and we'll talk about that. So it was the just say no of the drug wars. Well, no, which... it, was, it was the just say no of the sex education yeah. world. It's kind of like the drug war, which we know how that turned out. <laughs> and then uh, Obama, when he came in, he pulled back the funding for abstinence only, and now Trump's in, he's pushing forward the funding for abstinence only, so it kind of goes back and forth. But we're going to talk about our experience with it, what some downfalls may be, some pros maybe, maybe. <laughs> what was your experience with sex education? With sex education? Yes. Oh my. So sex education for me started pretty early. I had older sisters and I had uh, one in particular that was extremely um, interested in letting me find out what she learned at school and I am incredibly thankful for her. I mean this was diagrams and me sitting on her floor and her explaining things and answering questions which was really helpful to me because I never really felt super confused about things. There were some things about the male anatomy that I was confused about. <laughs> and like not as confused as me. <laughs> probably not. Well, I don't know. I mean, I was confused about the slang words. The slang oh, words yes. always didn't make sense to me, and didn't so I was very confused about how that made sense with what I knew. <laughs> I was always extremely interested mm. in insects mm-hmm. and in reproduction and what my body did and what was going on with that. And I feel like my mother was a public school nurse. Nice. So in middle school. So that's when they start introducing sex education. Mm -hmm. So fun, fun for me, Mm -hmm. my first sex education class, my mother taught it. (laughs) Oh, that's not awkward at all. No, not at all. (laughs) I mean, it was pretty bland and pretty. Because it was junior high. Because it was junior junior high. high, yeah. Early junior high. So it was pretty bland. It was my first, like, sex education mm-hmm. or, like, more body education. I had some one class in fifth grade that was a little bit more about, like, your reproductive, like... System. What happens to your system, mm-hmm. what you're going to face right. in as the next woman. coming years as a woman. <laughs> or puberty. But they did kind it, of that puberty. puberty thing. That's what it was. Basically, I had a puberty talk. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, but my first, like, kind of sex ed class was done by my mother. And then after my mom retired from the school district, she started working for the state. And mm-hmm. one of the things she did with the state was uh, well baby checkups mm-hmm. and free birth control. Nice. I am sure that most people out there know it but i'm gonna do a little plug for the state of alaska Mm -hmm. they do give away free Mm -hmm. birth control you can go in and what we called it in high school was brown bagging Mm -hmm. (laughs) you just go pick up a brown bag and you have all your birth control i never knew that like an abstinence only was the only education Mm -hmm. i knew that that was something that was really pushed in my spiritual life Mm. um in my church experience at youth groups at church events Mm. with youth um like statewide stuff i mean if any if sex ever came up it was always like well you're not just don't have it we grew up in that because we're older than probably most people listening and producing podcasts, but but we oh don't up. don't sell us short. Don't tell <laughs> we, people our age. We grew up in the nineties ish um, era, and so it was big on the purity culture back then. It was so, very, and big. I'm sure we're gonna do a whole another podcast on that. So yes, but, there was a lot mm-hmm. of promise rings, mm-hmm. a lot of signing contracts, a lot of daddy daughter. It was the Josh type. Harris era. Yeah, and I didn't, I was a little bit, <laughs> I was a little bit too old for the Josh Harris thing. Weirdly enough, I came on I the say, end you, of it. You were only one year older than I was, but I got it in my senior year. But so. I, I graduated mm. a year before yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And I think it came out maybe in 90. I was married so. when it yeah. came out. Mm-hmm. So, so to me, it was It wasn't worthless. relevant. <laughs> yeah, so. And what we're talking about here is the Josh Harris, uh, he was 21 when he wrote a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye, which really basically pushed the idea of no dating, only courting and only courting when you're ready to get married and no physical contact until you're married. And that includes kissing and oftentimes holding hands. Yes. So I didn't experience that extreme mm-hmm. of him who, which by the way, he has come back in the last couple yeah. years and he has apologized, apologized. for mm-hmm. writing that book. So hats off to yeah. him because mm-hmm. that takes... A lot mm-hmm. of guts to say I was a 21-year-old kid when I wrote a book, and it, it would an it entire movement came, came from it. So. And it, it was pushed on by a lot of adults who should have definitely known better, because he was only 21 at the time, but it was pushed by a lot of adults who were a lot older than him. <laughs> so I missed that. But, I mean, I, I did get the just say no. I was completely prepared to be that kid. Mm-hmm. I knew all about sex education mm-hmm. and still was completely prepared and feel like waiting till marriage was right for me. And did in in high school in your high school though they didn't do abstinence only at all. No, we had health class. You had health or was required for freshmen. Yeah. And we had a sex ed course in health and it did we did talk about sexually transmitted diseases mm-hmm. we did talk about birth control mm-hmm. we talked about cycles and the boys were in the room with the girls mm-hmm. we watched the miracle of birth i think that's the name of the video that i <laughs> i watched the first half and then i was suspiciously sick the next day <laughs> which interesting. is interesting which is weird so anyways i maybe just got an i got too much of the sex ed videos because my mother would <laughs> do this thing where my 
I don't know how much my friends picked up on this, but I knew exactly what she was doing. I would have a group of friends over and she would say, I have to show the seventh graders a movie and I have to pick from these three short movies and they were like each 20 minutes each and they were talking about, you know, STDs or something like that and my mom would say, which one do you guys like better? And then have us all watch these movies at my house to rate them and all my friends would be like, I like the second one, Miss... I like the second I'm not going to say my mom's last name. <laughs> She'd kill me. I almost did it. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's I, you know, I, I liked that one. I liked that one. But in reality, she got my friends as teenage girls to sit and watch every <laughs> one that she had, basically. Nice. And then we got to pick our favorites. Great and I knew, strategy. I just remember knowing exactly what she was doing. Yeah. She just wanted us to, and they were so basic. I mean, we were in high school and those were the the ones for middle school but still but she was still trying to get <laughs> trying to get anything out there so so one of the, my favorite stories of yours is actually the sex ed I don't know which teacher it was that with the, with the broomstick yes my health teacher that was ninth grade my health teacher pulled out a condom was explaining talking about condoms how you put them on how you dispose of them um and then she pulled out a broomstick like one of those big brooms the sweeper brooms that the the janitors you know have with the that gym they, yeah yeah that they like mm-hmm. sweep the gym with I mean it, it seemed like it was a huge broom it could have just been a like a regular broom but in my mind in my memory this was a huge broom and she took the condom and she pulled it over the broom handle and it went all the way down on the ground like in a sweeping dramatic <laughs> motion and she looked at us and she said Never let someone tell you they're too big for a condom. <laughs> I love that. And, I mean, I have never let anyone tell me that. <laughs> it was the most shocking yet very informative classes I've ever taken. She 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 definitely did her job well and worked on the shock factor with kids. <laughs> I also knew that that kind of stuff existed because I hung out with a lot of really dorky boys. Mm. And they, instead of using condoms, we would blow them out the window as we drove down the road. And you, I mean, those things get big. I don't know. If you guys ever are bored and you have a lot of condoms and you're not needing use for them, it is kind of entertaining. Put them outside the, the car you window. You hold them outside the car window and when the air catches them, they expand to be so huge and then they wave in the wind and That's it's nice. it's entertaining. Yes. So I was really cool. Awesome. By the way, yeah. when I was a kid. No, and you said that like you believe me. I was joking. I was not cool. <laughs> Says the cheerleader <laughs> with all the friends in the popular group. No, oh no. Mm. Mm. Anyway. You're going to cut that out. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. Um, I actually had a very ex- interesting experience because I had two kind of experiences. One was my own, and I went to a Christian school, and we had a chapter in the book on human reproduction and basically it was more like penis goes into vagina sperm happens sperm travels and you know fertilizes, fertilizes the egg, egg. <laughs> <laughs> what and then, happens and next? then it was talking about more like the gestation period it was very basic on what happens with the life cycle and was it drawn in stick figures no it was and they actually had really pretty ultrasounds in there because they were talking more about um 
uh, fetus being life and what those stages of the fetus were. And so, I mean, it was it was a pretty picture, but they didn't talk anything about really about sex because I went to a Christian school. That was we were told that our parents should teach us about sex. They just more t- taught us about reproduction, um, about that kind of the stages. And we actually asked our teacher if we could, we were in a combined grade, and um, the senior girls, there was like, there was three of us, and then there was a couple junior girls who were pretty mature for high schoolers. Um, and then there was a bunch of junior boys who were definitely not mature. And we <laughs> asked the science <laughs> teacher if we could please skip this chapter because we did not want to be in the same room as them as we go over this this information because it was <laughs> it was it was and he's like yes as long as you go home and read it and we're like okay cool we'll go home and read it we read it it was fine and it was accurate and so I was like okay that's that's good and well and and then I went to college I dropped out of my minor in art because the teacher was insane and I <laughs> decided instead to go um, my advisor told me to to try women's studies, and so I did, which was an excellent idea. It was one of the best things I've ever do- done. And one of the women's studies classes that I could take was female female biology, which is one of the best classes I've ever taken. And we learned all about reproduction, sex, edu- um, birth control, everything in great detail. Great class. And then I graduated college, and then I became a skills trainer for mental health. And so I was in classes as a skills trainer for kids who were having some mental health issues. And so you would guide them along throughout their day. With that, I was in sex ed classes during the abstinence only period. As an adult. As an adult. So I was went to Christian school, went to college, went into these classes. Um, so I was a young adult as a skills trainer in the abstinence only classes. In public high school. In public it was public junior high and public high school. And I was like, oh, this is going to be really neat because I will get to experience what I didn't get to experience in Christian school. Because I thought, okay, there was no information that was given to us in Christian school because our parents were supposed to tell us. So I thought, oh, this is going to be super informative. Like, I'm going to see what I missed out on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I missed out on zero information because they gave these children nothing. They didn't even give them what was given to me in Christian school by saying, read this chapter on, on biology. Wow. It was, it was horrific. First of all, they gave them incorrect information. They made it seem like what your cycle is, is you have an egg, you get your period, you slough, that, that egg goes away, and then you're no longer pregnant, and then you get your egg again. So what they, what it sounded like is the best time to have sex is right after your period because it will take a while and then your egg comes down right before your yes. peri- your period. So basically what they were telling people was, you know, I mean, if you're going to try to do the rhythm method, um, what they weren't saying, they were saying do abstinence only, say no to sex, any kind of sex. Um, they didn't teach it about any kind of birth control, any kind of STDs, anything. They basically just said about the cycle because, I mean, I guess that's biology. But they were giving completely incorrect information and so if somebody had followed that they would probably instantly get pregnant because actually the most fertile period is right right after your period i mean it was it was atrocious i was horrified yeah the 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 information they gave was incorrect and it wasn't even like the basics it was it was really bad so so this was during the peak of 
the um, abstinence only from about 2002 to 2006. Um, it was right, I think, that the, when I was in that classroom was 2003 and 2004. That, that blows my mind. I mean, <laughs> we definitely had, we had abstinence as an option presented right. to us. Absolutely. As the, you know, and <laughs> as the option of only, you can only 100% protect yourself with abstinence. But can you? No. No. I don't think you can. No. I think you can only 100% protect yourself if the world was perfect. <laughs> right. Basically, that's the 100% chance. And that, yeah. uh, we if live in a If you lock yourself into a room and never see anybody else, ever. And we, we <laughs> live in a really imperfect world. Mm-hmm. And so, to say that abstinence is the is the only 100%, I mean, no. There's no 100% no. Any, anything when it comes to accidental pregnancy or STDs. There's sexual assault. Um, We know, I mean, mean, this year year alone has shown us there's tons of sexual assault and grooming. And just because you decide to not have sex doesn't mean somebody else isn't going to be... Isn't going to decide to to rape you, basically. And so, so, so teaching people the correct kids the correct names the correct terminology the so that they can go and say hey this is a violation of me um first of all to you know the authorities or their parents it's super important also something like 99.7 percent of males and 99.3 percent of females will eventually have penis and vagina sex not even just be sexually active And that doesn't, I mean, like, that is an amazing statistic when you think about 2 to 10% of people are LGBTQ. And so, like, almost everybody in the world is going to be sexually active at some point in their life. Yes, in heterosexual sex. Yeah. Yeah. But, or just, I mean, any sex. Yeah. So, like, almost everyone. So So why (laughs) are we not educating people on something they are bound to to do do eventually? I mean, so telling, 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 giving people incorrect information or no information on something that they're eventually going to do, even if it is, let's say, everybody was going to only do this within marriage. They still need information about it. Yes, they still need information. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can say, you know, you're you're only going to be able to drive a car after 16, but you still train a 16, you a still four, train a 14, 15, mm-hmm. and 16 year old how to drive right. a car. Exactly. Um, because I mean, they're it's complicated. Going to be doing it. They're going to need that information eventually. Yeah. And the thing is, is that yeah. Not giving anybody information is just, yeah, it's atrocious. Well, I mean, and we could go down a rabbit hole here, too, but I just think that not teaching someone about their body Mm -hmm. or sex education is super detrimental to marriages. Absolutely. Because you get this, I mean, we can go back to the Kiss Dating Goodbye Mm -hmm. book and what it taught people and the no touching before marriage. Right. I just think... I mean, I'm not sitting here telling people to go have willy-nilly sex, Mm -hmm. but the fact that you go from no touching in the morning, and then that night, you're you're supposed to take off all your clothes and have sex, and guess what? It's going to be wonderful. Mm -hmm. He's going to be like a Prince Charming. (laughs) It's going to be the most wonderful experience you've ever had. And And he is just as confused as you are, Mm -hmm. and you're very... I mean, the they fact found out that it was really, really, really bad experiences for most people. With yes, it, it took an awkward, mm-hmm. kind of could be funny, could mm-hmm. be loving moment, mm-hmm. 
not always the best. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it the, took it took something that could be experienced together on your as a learning, night, mm-hmm, yeah, experience. as something beautiful, mm-hmm. and turned it into this like expectation of completely <laughs> confusing thing, and it really messes with and, people, and, and it also, I mean. I'm sorry, but it also kind of perpetuates. Mm-hmm. Men are made differently than women. Mm-hmm. We all know this. They're shaped differently down mm-hmm. there. Um, and I'm talking about heterosexual sex here, but it really does, a lot of times I feel like it. it women not knowing about their bodies mm-hmm. aren't able to tell men about their bodies, right. which then it really leaves you out on a huge mm-hmm. aspect of sex mm-hmm. that God created that you to God experience. created you to experience. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you don't know anything about how you work means how is your dude going to know how you work? You know? Right. Poor guy. Yeah, I know. But he, you know, he's perfectly happy at some point. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that it's going to not be awkward, but. But yeah. But (laughs) but the the thing is, is that with that kiss dating goodbye and again we'll have a whole nother episode on that i feel like this episode <laughs> is kind of talking about it but um <laughs> but it, it made you you weren't even supposed to feel feelings sexual feelings toward anyone else or even sexual feelings just at all so you're supposed to completely turn that self that side of yourself off <laughs> it's like saying don't feel hunger i'm gonna be honest there are <laughs> there are times when i <laughs> It's called up in your head. You get up, as if you're a woman, you know what I'm talking about. You get all up in your head, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And I can't believe can't, yeah. that, that that switch that is expected to turn just, on like, and turn off. off and on. Yeah, so I feel like abstinence only really perpetuates that also. It also <laughs> is, like, extremely unrealistic. It is. And- because, because as teenagers, your hormones are going crazy, mm-hmm. and sometimes the best intentions... Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait till I'm married, right. are met with a frontal lobe that's not connected <laughs> and a, and a kid, body that is and completely a, mature. And a body that mm-hmm. is, is wanting to do something. Mm-hmm. And there are times when you just don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a kid and you don't think. Yeah. I, I would, you know, I'd love to say every kid out there is thinking, but they're not. So right. would you rather have a kid that has some education behind their not thinking <laughs> or some kid that is not thinking, which is, and yeah, has everything. no education. Yeah. yeah, so so public health is kind of all about risk reduction. And so you can start out with the perfect, which would be abstinence only until you're married and then only having sex with that partner for the rest <laughs> of your life. And we know how well that works with our <laughs> marriage statistics yes. in the United States. So that it would be the perfect that's great, a great goal to, to, to work toward. However, you need to know the risk factors of each step along the way, which would be maybe having sex with a monogamous partner that you're not married with um, or, like, you know, who, who you're committed with. Okay, and then stepping back from that, maybe having sex with multiple partners and then protected, and then stepping back from that, maybe having sexual with multiple partners not protected you have to like there's there's actually steps in between there and there's risk factors with each of those and if you're educated on the risk factors of each of those then you can can make educated decisions about the risk factors you want to take just like yes it'd be perfect to eat all vegetables and like some perfect protein and super low fat and you're exercising exactly the right amount of 
time per day and have a super balanced lifestyle, but none of us achieves that perfection. So you need to know the risk factors and okay, here's what the risk factors are if you eat, you know, some red meat and here's the risk factors if you don't exercise every day and exercise three times a day and here's the risk factors if you eat nothing but lard and <laughs> sit on your butt all day <laughs> yeah um there's just risk factors and try to mitigate those risks and make it and you have educated decisions all of the information <laughs> to make yeah. the mm-hmm. decisions for yourself right and i think that in this abstinence only education is when that idea of perfection is the enemy of the good it's kind of a perfect example except for it's not even perfect because people are going to need to know this information when they're married too and that would be the perfect thing i mean not giving them any information even in a marriage situation i mean consent so you don't feel so you don't feel like information is a license to to perform that actually it shows in studies that comprehensive sex education, which is including birth control, including STDs and STIs, and including um, like things like consent, um, which is super important, uh, um, relationship factors, um, trust, all of those that information. You give them everything, it actually increases the age of onset of sex. So the more information you give a kid, it actually they'll be older when they first have sex. Yes. Abstinence only does not. In fact, oh. the one thing that it does do is it, it makes them have sex at the same amount of age as anybody else. So zero education, you know, it, it's exactly the same. And what it does do is that they're, they're more likely to have not safe sex the first time. Yes. Because they're, cause they're not prepared, they're not educated, they're not expecting to have sex, and so when they do... They don't have anything. Yeah, and, and yeah. they're not going to go to the store and get something because they've been shamed. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want... I mean, and mm-hmm. you live in a small town, that's really mm-hmm. even worse. Right. And so they've been shamed. And shame is not a deterrent of bad behavior. In fact, it actually can increase bad behavior. Well, because you, you already feel bad about right. yourself, exactly. so you might as well you just do well the do bad it. stuff. If you, if you get shamed, oh, you shouldn't drink Diet Coke, that's really bad for you, don't you know? And they're going to be like... I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink my diet coke well especially <laughs> when you're a teenager because yeah because yeah. frontal lobe <laughs> but also like even when you're an adult if you get like yeah. super shamed you're just gonna feel crappy about yourself you're not going to change your behavior the way to change behavior is to give people information and power and tools and opportunities and opportunities yeah. like yeah so you give a child an opportunity to say no, you give mm-hmm. someone an opportunity to say no in an educated way, mm-hmm. and they're going to feel so much more yeah. empowered. Because when you have no education, mm-hmm. when someone is approached and says, well, why you not? do this, and you want to do this, and, like, and uh, well, I don't have any re- I don't know the reasons, you're just not, it's, it's no, mm-hmm. there's no other reason behind it. Mm-hmm. It's just, you're not supposed to until marriage, well, what's the reason? Right. You know, so... So abstinence only also reversed the pregnancy rate decline. So it was declining from 1995 to 2002, the pregnancy rate. There was improved contraception. And so the rate of teen pregnancy declined. And then right when they put up the abstinence only campaign, it actually reversed the decline. Teen pregnancy started going up. During the Obama era, it actually started going down again. <laughs> so we see that comprehensive sexual education does have an effect. And so people... On unplanned on, teen pregnancies. Unplanned teen pregnancies. And that's pregnancies. That's not um, births. So it's actual pregnancies. 
Yeah. So the other thing is, is that the the argument against this is that parents should only provide this education. The, so what happens when they don't? Exactly. Because, okay, I was taught that parents should only provide this education. Guess what? I know. Okay, my parent did. My mother did. She did her best, and I was really proud of her because she wasn't provided that education. But a lot of guys I know simply were not provided that education by their fathers, even though their mothers thought they did. <laughs> and that had seemed to be a running thing in our community. Yes. Like, almost all the guys I know, their, their moms were like, you're going to tell, like, to their husbands, you're going to tell the guys, you know, what's what. And they never did. And so all these guys I know were like, they just we, learned, we learned from, from each other. Friends, which I'm sure was super quality oh, education. Oh, my goodness. The other thing. <laughs> I can only imagine. And now it's even worse because back then they had access to Playboy. Now they have access to internet porn at age nine. And most of it is violent toward women. It's horrific stuff. I mean, like. Well, yeah. I would hope mm. that your nine-year-old isn't available to have access to That's porn, the but they do. That's average age of, it is. of seeing it because it's they're sad. getting it from their friends. There's iPhones. There's, you know. So when they're not educated, that is their view of mm-hmm. sex. And how twisted is, is that, that person yeah. going to view sex exactly. in their life? Um, so, so. And you guys can say, not my kids, not my kids, not my kids. <laughs> all up and down, but I'm sorry. It's average. It's the average age of seeing internet porn now. Yes. So, yeah, and every, every if you talk to, talk to your guy friends, see when, when they, where, how they learned about sex, I mean, almost all of them, I know, learned about it on the playground with friends, and their first exposure was through something like, like Playboy. Yes. Uh, which is super tame compared like, to, yeah. to what the kids are exposed to today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my sex education wasn't perfect because, again... I was I I learned a lot of things when I was sixteen apparently, because I I was very confused during the whole Monica Lewinsky Clinton thing, so <laughs> confused. And I was just horrified because I knew exactly what they were doing. Well, you were with like that cigar. You were that married. Cigar case. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Not with Mo- Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> no, I was not. You were twelve when you were married, right? That's what it feels like sometimes. <laughs> That would make me a lot younger, so maybe I was 12. Anyway. (laughs) But I was super confused during that, and so I asked my trusty friend, who happened to be a teenager who was younger than me, what that was all about. So I got a lot of great information in my life from that But I mean, that's what friends are for. I mean, I did a lot of teaching my friends how to put in tampons and... And talk to them about where to go to get their birth control. Who better to teach you about oral sex than your gay neighbor? <laughs> 16 yeah, year old. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you're so knowledgeable too. Like, I, yeah. he was just sitting you down. Um, one of the things that I feel like, um, when I, because I started so young with like sex and body education, there were a few misconceptions that I did have that mm. I brought in. Because when you're starting at six or seven and you're asking questions and people are answering them truthfully and of course age appropriately, mm-hmm. there are some things that get left out right. because you'll ask a question. Or like I would ask a question and they would answer. Mm-hmm. My sisters or my mother would answer me. I would then take that information and be good with it. Mm-hmm. You know how little kids right. are. They ask a question, you answer them, they're good. They're not going to necessarily follow up. And by the way, I think that is the very best way to teach a child not all at once but throughout their lives every time they ask a question answer it 
point blank without kind of any oh, embarrassment, yes. whatever. Exactly. But you do sometimes miss some Sometimes there are some things that get missed. <laughs> and so when I was about 10, I was so excited, like pumped to get my period. Like to the point where it was almost, it was concerning to my sisters that they couldn't figure out why I was so excited. So they were like, hey, why are you so excited about this? And I was just like, because you get it once, and then you never get it again. And they're like, they said that my face, when they told me how often you actually get it, fell, and my sister said she could still see my eyes welling up with tears, and I just started sobbing. And I mean... It was just, I came down from a really high high, you know, I was, I was riding that high for a long time where I thought you have one period, then the rest of your life, you're able to just have babies. You just, you don't have to worry about it ever again. How wonderful is that? (laughs) Boner was a real confusing one for me. I never. I think I was confused by I that word. I never understood erections at all until I was quite a bit older. I think I was confused by Didn't the word boner, and I was because like, I thought boner. there's no bone there's no because I knew boner. the anatomy. <laughs> but yes, I was very confused by the word boner. But also balls. Mm, yeah. I was confused. I was never confused by balls. I got that. I one. didn't understand. Mm. I mean, because mm. I was taught the correct terminology. But I will have to say, when I was in college taking that. Um, women's studies course that my roommate may or may not have had to flip over the diagram of the penis <laughs> so that I was looking at it right, right side, side up, up. <laughs> when I was super confused trying to like I do not understand what is going on here <laughs> it was a it was a really poor diagram that's my excuse <laughs> it was a stick figure it was a stick figure <laughs> I mean good for the parents who are teaching yes, their children absolutely but the thing is that the other thing is is that as a as a community, we should be caring for all the kids in our community because it's going to affect the entire community, the health of the entire community. Yes. And there is a lot of kids whose parents will not talk to them about sex ed and whose parents are super neglectful or just don't feel comfortable talking about that. And then or, you have the snowball effect where that child meets another mm-hmm. child whose parents don't tell mm-hmm. them. They have sex not knowing the consequences Mm -hmm. or the preventative things. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, they might know some of the consequences, but maybe not all of them. And then you've got either a child that needs STD treatment. Mm -hmm. There's a possibility of that. You have an unexpected pregnancy, which your community might support in ways. Um, Then you also, I mean, then it goes into teen moms Mm -hmm. with their high rates of risk in the community. And then you've got a horrible, horrible cycle. Right. So, I have literally had to explain to adults, I mean, like, youngish adults, this is, like, mid-20s adults, that he could not possibly be the father of a child that he met the woman when she was pregnant. So, that's how bad the sex education in this country is. So, yes. (laughs) I mean, poor guy. That's horrible. It was horrible. But, like, seriously... And, and people say, well, you know, that's the parent's responsibility. And, you know, a, a lot of these kids are missing out because, and honestly, some of these kids are getting abused in these homes or neglected completely, and they're not getting any education. No. So we should be concerned about the marginalized, the ne- abused, the neglected. We should be worried about them and... And looking uh, out for yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. And saying someone should be doing something doesn't mean that it's going to get done. Right. Right. 
So rant, rant, rant. <laughs> Ranty rant. <laughs> so, I mean, your opinion on this, I'm curious, is do you think that abstinence-only education is unbiblical and anti-Christian? Well, if you read the Bible, it seems like there's a lot of talk about sex and the Bible. And in fact, if you were a Jewish person, you probably would have had a lot of education because you'd have to follow all these laws. Yes. Um, so you would have had to have that from someone. They would have had to speak to you about exactly what to do at certain times, like even like the washing after your period, what you can do during your period, what you can't do. Um, so why laws do you... about when you can have sex, when you can't have sex, yes. and your your whole cycle. I mean, so so why do you think that it is a lot of evangelicals are very anti sex education? I think that they think that if you talk about a subject, you're giving permission for that subject. And I think that that's the problem with a lot of things. It's like, sometimes I feel like people say, oh, you're talking about racism, you all, you must be a racist. No, if you're talking about a problem, you're not creating that problem. You're shedding light on a problem that already exists. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the confusion lies. So I think that giving people education, information about what is happening with their bodies and about sex and giving them all the information so they can make their own decisions about their lives. Um, and an informed decision. Mm -hmm. And I really do, I mean, I completely agree with you on that. I feel like giving someone all the information right, and letting them do with right. that what they will yeah. is the best situation. Yeah. I don't understand the thought that if you teach, some, if you educate someone on their sexuality and their bodies that they are then have no control over right. what they're going to do. <laughs> like it actually is of the opposite. Studies have shown that it's opposite. They will actually have uh, wait longer to have sex if you teach them more about it. Yes, because probably because they have more information. They're like, oh well, I am not really prepared to do this because I have this and this and this to think about instead of just giving them nothing. Yes, and they're like, well, I feel like having. It. I mean, we did talk about there is sometimes these urges that feel uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need a reason, and the mm -hmm. reason can't just be no. Right. You have to have your own reasons for things. And, yeah. And I feel like giving people... And, and education and, like, public schools are supposed to be educating people without religion tied into it. So you're not supposed to be, like, looking at your value system here. But just giving them the biology of it. Yes. All of the biology... Of it, and then talking about consent, which is a law thing, it's mm -hmm. also the law of the land. So that's not a value. I mean, it is a value thing, and that's that's a value that we should hold. But it's also with the law. So teaching them those two things, just biology and about consent, I think that that is a huge amount of information. And, and I that really they can, think they can put their own spirituality yes. in that and figure out what their values are, their own religion, what that is important to them and make their own minds up about that. And I that. really think parents, um, we talk about parents should be mm -hmm. teaching kids, not only teaching that along with the school system, mm -hmm. don't just leave it up to mm -hmm. school to teach your kids. You also teach your kids, mm -hmm. but really talk about the emotional aspect mm -hmm. too and I feel like that's where parents can really do some some great things with mm -hmm. their kids and talk about the emotional aspect that comes with sex mm -hmm. um, what it entails because it really is an emotional act 
Yeah. Not only just a physical act. And remember that your kids, don't just tell them to say no. Tell them about how to say yes. Um, how to say yes appropriately. You know, if you, your values are to wait till marriage, then that's great. But then they need to know all the things that they need to know when they do say yes. About watching their other their partner for cues about listening to their partner about backing off if their partner is uncomfortable about going slow all that stuff that they're going to need to know they're going to need to know it at some point you gotta tell them (laughs) because if you don't tell them they are going to find it out and it might not be the value system that you're right that you're wanting to instill in your children exactly so i don't know do you feel like we judged the heck out of that i think we judged the heck out of that So we are now going to talk about our ethical product, which is Preserve. And we bought their adult toothbrushes. Or I bought everyone an adult toothbrush. Because she kind of dumped all of her toothbrushes all over the bathroom floor. It was one of those times that was appropriate for swearing. Yeah, I think you did swear. I dumped everyone except for mine on the floor. Interesting. Interesting. And I think that was a passive aggressive little move there. I did think about not telling anyone because, I mean, they wouldn't know. I would just rinse them off and then put them back in the holder, right? But um, I ended up going to a local store on the peninsula and buying a Preserve toothbrush. And what's so cool about Preserve is their toothbrushes are made with 100% recycled yogurt cups. Nice. Yeah. So all those yogurt cups that are wasted, it is made with 100% yogurt cups nice it's made in the usa it's bpa free and they come in five great colors which is perfect for (laughs) us because we only needed four yes and they also have a cool little bend to them that you think wouldn't be cool like work but it works really great yeah i really like it also it it keeps the bristles away from the other person's brush in the holder so our toothbrushes aren't touching each other and so we're not like passing around weird colds and stuff to be (laughs) honest that was the only reason i told people and bought everyone a new toothbrush was because i didn't want someone else's bristles touching my brush (laughs) after they had fallen on the floor it's not out of concern for people <laughs> that I bought this. It was purely selfish but motivation. Yeah, we like them. I, I like them a lot. Um, they're perfect. And they're a good price. Mm-hmm. And you can buy them anywhere. You yeah. can even buy them at Walmart. Nice. Nice. So they are also a bee company, just like Badger was oh. last week. So they're certified bee. See, I am learning all sorts of new things about bee companies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Preserve. So, thank you for joining us here at Ethical Quandaries, a podcast where we have a lot of questions, but no answers, and we're judging you anyway. Technical support and photography by Tip Kingsley. Consultation by Midtoker. Production music by EpidemicSound.com. Editing by me, Jessica Veldstra. If you have an ethical quandary or a comment, you can email us at ethicalquandaries at outlook.com. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Remember, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And become a patron on Patreon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.